Hello everyone and welcome to Education Checkup. I'm Johnette Magner. We are a weekly podcast here at KTBS that covers what is happening in education in Northwest Louisiana. And we especially like to highlight the many good things that some of you don't always hear about. My co-host for the podcast is Dr. Philip Roseman, a well-known cardiologist in Northwest Louisiana. But what you may not know is that he has also been truly a leader in education reform and improvement across the state. He's the founder of the Alliance for Education, co-founder of the shreveport Bossier Business Alliance for Higher Ed, and he received the Distinguished Friend of Education Award from the Louisiana Department of Education for all of his good work. So welcome, Dr. Roseman, and I will toss to you now and let you introduce our guest today. We have a guest who's been around a long time here in Caddo Parish, and we're gonna learn a little bit about the first independent charter school that started here years ago and uh, what's happening at the charter school and a little bit about charter and school choice. Uh, Dr. Uh, Mahoney Williams uh, is here today. She's the principal at Magnolia School of Excellence. You're the third principal at the school. Yes. Uh, I think you followed that with uh, t uh, administration roles at uh, Huntington and Southwood. So you've gone from a bigger school to a little bit smaller school to even a smaller mm -hmm. school. Um, but first I'd like for you to kind of tell the audience a little bit about what is a charter school. Mm -hmm. What uh, Tell them a little bit about charter school, public or private, uh, and, and uh, how they work. Well, Magnolia is a public charter school, tuition free, it's a school of choice. Parents have the opportunity to come over they get to tour, see the things that we're working with, the curriculum, and they make the decision to bring their children there. We are not private, so we have open enrollment to whomever would like to come and join our, our family. And uh, is, it, uh, is there tuition involved in charter schools? Or? We are not a tuition charging school. We are tuition free, and I think that's one of the things that makes us special. We have a, a private school feel because of the size, but because of the fact that we don't charge, we're more appealing as a public school. And Magnolia is a K through 12? We are K through 12, however, we're split between two buildings. We have a K-5 building, and then I'm the principal of the 612 building. How's the governance of charter schools? How are they governed? Are they part of the uh, school board, or how does that work? Well, we're a type one charter, therefore Caddo actually approves us and we work under some of its jurisdiction, but primarily we're run under the Shreveport Charter Foundation and they govern us and we have our board meetings through them. You know, one of the things that I think about when, when I think about Magnolia is that they've got this beautiful new campus and, and buildings. And of course, when was, that's the only school we've built in Caddo Parish in how long? Oh, it's about 40 years now. I mean, yeah. it's a long, long time yes. uh, that we spent uh, in schools, uh, and most of the schools are in their probably 70 to 100 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, and you've got to say for the school board, they've done a great job, school oh, system, in keeping those yeah. buildings up and running all these many, many, many years. Yes, but you, you do have the new campus, so that's got nice. to be one of the things <laughs> yes. that parents are drawn to. It is to. definitely a perk. <laughs> so your funding is from uh, the funding that goes with each student, I suppose. So Yes, it is. Okay. And so the funding comes from the state and from local area the tax funding, but no bond issues for the buildings or anything like that? No. What's up? 
What's different about charter school than traditional school? What, what have you noticed any differences uh, between them or specific nuances? Well, the biggest difference that I notice is that it's a school of choice. Parents actually do have the opportunity to choose to come to us versus being in a neighborhood school. And I think that's what really, really sets us apart. We have the, a high-level high curriculum. Our teachers are certified. That's an expectation. And we give our, our teachers the opportunity to go to different trainings and things like that. With us being a charter school, our company provides really, really high-end training for our teachers. We go to Florida uh, each year for a big educational conference. We have a day in the fall where all of the teachers in the state, administrators, we all get together in a site. Last year we went to Lake Charles. This year we'll be in Lafayette. So it's a lot of pulling together. We push a family atmosphere. You know, and one of the things that I talk about at times with school choice and charter schools uh, is that it's an individual thing. It's, mm -hmm. it, we oftentimes think about it as you can come to a different school because the school that you're at is maybe not doing as well mm -hmm. on the testing and all that sort of thing and you want to go to a different school. But for the most part, it's an individual thing. Some child can be at a, a school mm -hmm. and still not fit in. It not be the thing mm -hmm. for them. Uh, and so there's the need to have that choice mm -hmm. uh, for families to make when it's specific things like bullying or not getting along with mm -hmm. the teacher or whatever happens along the way that individually that child needs help. I know for me personally we had to find different school for one of our children who wasn't doing well in another school and we had the ability to do it with private schools mm -hmm. and not everybody does and I think to some degree that's what Magnolia brings to the community. Absolutely and then even with that we provide a myriad of, of activities and things to more personalized their experience. We ask up front, are you interested in these things? What are you interested in? And we try to tailor that to the child as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about Magnolia itself is, as I think that over the, the last couple of years, you've noted a real significant change as it relates to attend attendance and basically enrollment in the school. Wh what have you seen happening as it relates to Magnolia? My first year, we had maybe 500 or so kids. Each year, we have a target. Last year, we brought in transportation, free transportation with our buses, and our enrollment skyrocketed. Right now, we're looking at another huge surge in attendance, and I think that although we primarily have attributed it to the buses, I think the programs and new activities that we are sp expanding on our campus are bringing things in as well. And we've gotten a lot more exposure in the community this year. So I think that's happening. Uh, for example, we started a drum line. Our drum line performed at Art Break. They were selected out of over 100 uh, groups to participate. So that was a huge first for us. So now we're having more and more children involved in that. We started track. We had about 60 kids and our children went to regionals with primarily our middle school students competing against varsity squads. So those things get out and people get to see the wonderful things that people talk about and it's drawing parents and students to us. Yeah, you know, the principal before you, Dr. Robinson, mm -hmm. used to say about the school when I would ask her about it is that it is uh, big enough to have 
some of these extracurricular mm -hmm. activities going on, but small enough that you know everybody's name. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's been a bit real beneficial thing for Magnolia. Yes, we're able to get to know the parents as well as the children. So that's that's been very, very instrumental in helping us move forward with what we're trying to do at the school. Let's talk about the challenges because okay. we've, we've had a challenging time. Uh, there's no doubt about that the last few years have been very difficult in education mm -hmm. and I'm sure difficult at every school. What have you seen as been the major challenges over the last year, year and a half, uh, as we move back to some form of normality? One of the biggest challenges is the academic gaps. So when we sat down as a leadership team and with the state leadership team, we were very, very selective in the curriculum that we chose, and we chose things that had uh, pieces in place and embedded in the curriculum to address those gaps. Uh, one of the other things that we did face was the enrollment children, some not coming back and some coming in. So we weren't able to staff as well. Of course, every school wants to have uh, teachers with 10 kids in the class, but we weren't able to do that, so we had to come back. And teachers had to retrain. We talk about the kids having to reacclimate to school, but the teachers had to reacclimate to school as well because a lot of us were at home teaching our own kids, and so then we had to transition into what it's like for us as adults to be in real school. So just everybody making those transitions and coming back into what is our new normal because we'll never go back to before, but everybody embracing what the new normal is and being a team and being on board to push that forward and make the school a better school. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the learning loss that occurred mm -hmm. during COVID. Do you think that these these kids are beginning to catch up and are they going to, to, to finally get to where they, they would be if had COVID not arrived? I think that some of the tools we're implementing will help in bridging that gap. It's not going to be an instantaneous thing, but I do feel like with the way the state has push the, the standards and, and raise the expectations. I think that we will eventually be able to meet those standards. And of course, once we do, they'll push them a little bit higher. But I have a mantra that we won't lower our standards because you don't want to try to meet the expectations. So as the state and as the expectations arise, we as a leadership team have to make instructional decisions that are best for our kids and to support them when they're successful and to support them when they're experiencing challenges. Challenges. And I was reading this morning yet another medical journal article about the mental health challenges um, that that came on during COVID, especially oh, yes. with girls. Have you seen that play out? Yes, yes, yes. Our girls are struggling just socialization skills. Um, wanting to be friends, wanting not to be that girl, but we've put things, we have a group at our school uh, that two of our eighth grade teachers were leading entitled Girl Talk, and they will pull girls and talk to them. Uh, they had great relationships with the kids already, so they'll pull the kids in and talk to them about some of those issues, and I think that helped um, curtail a lot of things that could have happened with our girls and that's something that we're going to try to implement more next year with our girls and our boys. So is it about just the girls and their their self-esteem or are you all having to teach kindness and yes. 
uh, acceptable online behavior and limits to sharing and things like that. We're having to go back and revisit all of those things at Magnolia. We have a problem, a program that addresses social emotional learning. It's called Attitude is Altitude, and our council pulls in sixth graders and she works with them on things like resilience, on what bullying is, how to be kind, you know, things like that. So. Once, as we expand those types of programs throughout our school, I think we'll see a big change in character. You know, I would—I didn't think about this until now, but mm -hmm. thinking about it now, you know, uh, girls, women are more social a lot of times, mm -hmm. and uh, than than guys are, and and mm -hmm. uh, and so when you have that time when they're not around any of their friends, mm -hmm. they're not learning the little skills that they right. learn to be able to deal with the world uh, right. along the way. So it's, I think that's interesting, you know, that we're talking about it even been more of a problem with girls than it is even with guys sometimes right. related to that. Well, the, the girls do social media, the boys are into video games. Yes. So, so theirs is individual and the girls right. are into a social environment. And even in the video games, because I have children, my boys, they communicate through the video mm -hmm. games and my daughter's like, ma, ma, ma. So the girls are you, that we do better with physical communication and being around the actual person. And I, my boys and my boys at the school, they talk about the gaming and they just put on the headset and they talk and they're okay with it. I think girls like that in-person, per personable touch. You know, I had a friend of mine who was a principal in high school used to say that they felt that their need was to, to mold the children to be able to live in a middle-class environment yes. so they can be successful in the world because being successful in that environment is 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 a big part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you a question about, and uh, we've had some conversation with mm -hmm. other uh, folks along mm -hmm. the way about uh, this problem with attendance. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, after COVID, somehow people got out of the uh, idea of coming to school every day, mm -hmm. and it's become a real, real problem. Have you found that to be a problem, and how have y'all dealt with that at the charter school? We've not really seen it as a problem in middle school. We've seen it some in high school, and we do reach out to those kids, and I think reaching out early, because a lot of parents don't realize the kids aren't coming to school. <laughs> so when we call, it's like, hi, they're like, wait a minute, I dropped them off. So we're seeing <laughs> that as, as uh, an issue, but we more so have issues with just the lateness. And I think now with us having transportation uh, provided, it's helped because even with this week of testing, I think in middle school we had maybe 10 who weren't there out of about 400, which is phenomenal for, for those types, with that type of enrollment. So I think just the fact that we are smaller, we have people who can jump on those kinds of things more quickly than in a larger school setting. And one of the things that I'd heard and, uh, was about the ability to have uh, tutors, uh, mentors, uh, because it's smaller, the ability mm -hmm. to do that. How have you used mentors, tutors? Does that have any benefit to the kids? Have you found that to be a benefit to kids? We found that bringing in tutors, um, our company provided us with a set of tutors, and the, ki the kids who were pulled out, I called them my A-team. We pulled out the kids who were on the bubble. They were right on the edge of moving up to a higher level. So we were able to use those during the day, and that helped us. And then we also had a phenomenal 
director of our after school programs who was actually a teacher on our campus so she was able to access the data and she would do different things uh, for tutoring and even this year she brought in guest speakers stem activities things like that so she made it a more well-rounded program and the children evaluated it well when we closed out our evaluations so tell us about what you do preschool after school so that you mm -hmm. i guess you have the you know uh, uh, parents are working. Mm -hmm. It's hard a lot of times to be at home. Having that after school kind of program available. What do you do? What do they do in that? What are so um, we have an academic piece and an enrichment piece. And the enrichment piece is what's new. So we took data from our um, our screener, the iReady, which comes as part of our our curriculum. And we scaled, we looked at, looked at what they had, what their scores were, and we grouped our kids into after-school tutoring groups. We sent out letters, it was, and it's more of an invitation. It's like, congratulations, your child has been selected to participate mm -hmm. in this after-school um, opportunity. So parents, that it, parents were more apt to, to bring them there. We provide snacks. Uh, this year, we weren't able to provide transportation, but that's our next layer. We're looking to provide transportation simply because some parents still don't get off at six. You know, parents who get off at seven will at least have an opportunity for the kids to participate and get home, and then parents can get home and help. Uh, we had a high school component for grade and credit recovery, so that helped us um, balance out what was happening on the high school side. It was much easier to entertain the middle schoolers, so we had to look at some things for high school, and our after-school director brought in kids. Uh, not kids, but people who talked about their career, things that they nice. did. So we were able to provide a full experience for middle and high because one of the things that our kids have said was, it looked kind of like a big middle school. So we were very, very intentional about providing separate activities under one umbrella with one goal. And the high, a lot of talk has been about how we make high schools more relevant, how, mm -hmm. how we prepare uh, students either for going on in academic things mm -hmm. like community college or university or to go into work um, uh, or to get uh, to move along in their career how how have you been working or how do you see us working in high schools uh, to make them more relevant uh, to move the kids and to prepare them for the future school work the first thing that uh, my leadership team and I did was separate the look so my high school kids wear a totally different color uniform, so it's clear the, the, the young people in black shirts are our high school. Everybody else wears the traditional colors. Uh, we've implemented some dual enrollment courses for our mm -hmm. kids who want to move further. We revamped it because the previous system, we said, mm, we need to do a little better. So right now we're focusing on English and we're going to bring in another grade level and another course so eventually our kids will be able to leave with uh, the associate's degrees. We're looking at uh, adding in a 10th grade level dual enrollment course for next year because it mirrors what we need to see happening on ACT uh, for our career kids. Because I have kids, Dr. Williams, I don't want to go to school. I just want to work. So we have the state's mm -hmm. Jumpstart program, which prepares our kids for career readiness. Uh, we're providing different um, pathways for our kids. So next year we're looking to become um, a stronger performing art school. That's going to be 
our, our, our flagship program, Performing Arts, and they can get credentials in some of the arts and things like that. And we're also looking at an EMR because we have so many hospitals and things around here, mm -hmm. and we're gonna try to partner. We have one right down the street from the school. We wanna partner with people like that so our kids have various types. Uh, and then the following year, we wanna look at adding the the pre-pharmacy track. So that's what we're looking at right now to expand, but we're taking one step at a time. We know we can't mm -hmm. throw everything out there at right. once. So we're building and scaffolding each year. The plan is to add a different brick mm -hmm. each year until we have the full building ready. You know, I read recently, tell me if this surprises you, that employers don't like Gen Z that they say they're not motivated. They say that uh, many of them have let them go within a couple of weeks, that they're not good team players. What's going on with Gen Z and, and what are you guys addressing and doing so that they are able to work as a team and be employable and be likable and all well, those things? <laughs> for me, my children are all Gen Z's <laughs> and Gen X's. So I approach it the way I approach my kids because the majority of my building falls into that millennials and down. So it's really, it really starts for us with soft skills. How do we get here on time? How do we do, how do, we do conflict resolution? And we've not really had a lot of problems with our younger generation until it comes to like really really stressful type situations and in, in education it happens and so we kind of have my staff is split we have the people who are kind of stoic and dogmatic like me and then we have people like my assistant principal she's that softer side and she's the the She's their consolation, but they all know that they can always come to us. And so we kind of divided and conquered at the beginning of the semester when we did our reset. We, we each leader took a couple of teachers who we're going to kind of be their mentor. So when they have these issues, they know that everybody on the, on the campus has somebody they can come to. And I think that has helped, especially recently with the large number of turnover we're seeing in education. Let me ask you this. Let me shift it just a little bit just to ask you a general question. You know, one of the things in policy and everything in education is there's always a lot of disagreement about this, that, and the other yes. uh, as it relates to that. But one thing that seems to have bipartisan support, many Democrats and mm -hmm. Republicans, both seem to to gravitate toward this idea of school choice. Why do you, why do you, why do you think that is? And, and and how can we improve on what we're doing with school choice? Honestly, I think everybody wants to be able to say, I decided to do that. Mm -hmm. So by having school choice, we're, we're confident saying, well, I was able to make my own decisions, which is one of the things I think with the younger, the younger generation, because our parents are younger, I'm able to make that decision. I was able. So I just think that being able to provide a better, a better experience with school choice is going to be the expansion of school choice. Yeah. Well, 
This has been great and uh, learned a lot in uh, <laughs> uh, talking to you about Magnolia and school choice and all that's going on. And Caddo is very much a school choice type of district uh, as it relates to what they do, giving people choices in magnet school, charter schools, and all kinds of ways. I ask, always ask a couple of questions at the end, and I want to ask you these for you to leave some words of wisdom or advice to others. First, I, I always want to know why it is that you're here. In other words, why are you still here in Shreveport Bossier? Why do you love Shreveport Bossier? My parents are Shreveport Bossier. I've lived here all of my life. I was educated here. First jobs were here. I educated my children here, and we've all turned out well. So <laughs> I know that this area can produce great people. And I think that people need, my, like my age, we need to stay here and be examples that there are great people and great things that can come from Shreveport. Absolutely. Um, what, can give any words of wisdom, do you have any words of wisdom to give to either to, to students, I'm sure you do this all day, <laughs> uh, or community, or parents, uh, that, uh, some words of wisdom from your years of experience in, in the school system and education. I think my biggest, biggest advice would be to be supportive, be understanding, accept differences, and, and be team players. We've got to come together if we want to see any type of improvement. So I think that we have to understand each of us is a piece to the puzzle of improvement. And that's in our community as a whole. As uh, In our schools, and our, our schools. communities, our families, our churches. Absolutely. We really enjoyed it, and yes, uh, this has been a, a great, uh, uh, great time to be able to speak with you. And thank you so much for what you've done uh, in your lifetime you. and what you continue to do uh, for the community and for education in our in our region. Thank you. And thank yes. you for the opportunity. And thank you to all of you for joining us today for Education Checkup. You can watch this podcast on ktbs.com or listen anywhere you listen to your other favorite podcasts. Have a good day and join us next time for Education Checkup.